Well, to our family at our Bettendorf and QC West campuses, those of you joining us here at Rock Island and those online, welcome today. If you are new to Heritage, my name's Justin. I'm part of the ministry team here, and we are honored and excited that you have chosen to worship with us. Now, my guess is, is that everyone in the room at some point or another has longed for a restart. Am I right? You know, maybe it was some snag in the morning routine, or maybe it was some other kind of comical event. In fact, I had one about seven years ago uh, before I moved here to Heritage. By the way, been here one year this week. You guys are still putting up with me. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. <laughs> but before I moved here, I used to officiate high school football all over the state of Michigan. And we had a great crew, so we would have just excellent football games. And we would travel all over the state from, you know, southwest Michigan is where I lived, up to Grand Rapids, over to Detroit, and all over the state. And we had excellent football games. And I knew the game of football. I had played from when I was seven years old all the way up until college. I played football in college. And so when I got done, I kind of got that itch to get back involved. And so seven years ago, I went through the training. I, you know, I, I joined a crew, and I went through scrimmages, and I had, went through freshman games and JV games. And finally, the day arrived that my first varsity football game came. Now, let me paint the picture here. This is a huge rivalry football game, all right? There are thousands of people there. It's kind of like the equivalent of what Bettendorf Pleasant Valley might be over, you know, on the Iowa side there. There were thousands of people. They're two or three deep at the fences. The, the stands are packed out. And so it's my first game, and midway through the first half, there's a broken play, and the quarterback is running for his life. And I'm an umpire, and the umpire is the one, if, if you watch football, that is the one that sets the ball. He's the one when you're yelling at the screen when time's running out, get out of the way, get out of the way, let him run the play. Well, that was me, okay? So this play is broken. Quarterback's running for his life. He's looking for a receiver to throw to. I'm in good position. I got my head on a swivel. I'm making sure that my linemen aren't downfield, that they're not holding, that they're not chop blocking. I'm doing everything right. And then I see this brown little dot start to come in my peripheral vision. Now, you can guess it. That was the football, right? Now, let's be clear. The proper technique for an official is to get out of the way. Let's just say I didn't get out of the way, okay? And not only did I not get out of the way, in the moment that I saw that, and between the time I saw it and the moment that it made its way to me, I must have had a flashback to college football days when I was a linebacker dropping back into coverage. And at some point between the ball coming from the, the dot to me, my hands reached up and caught the football. <laughs> True story. You can't make this up. <laughs> and so there I am. I catch the ball, and at some point between me saying, hey, nice catch, Justin, and then looking up and going, how can I get to the sideline and take it to the house and strike a Heisman, reality hit me that you're not playing the game, Justin. You're officiating the football game. And so in that moment, I, I stopped, and I just dropped the ball as the thousands of people in attendance erupted in laughter. <laughs> And in that moment, I wanted to get away. <laughs> right there in the middle of that field in my little white knickers, I wanted to restart. <laughs> and my guess is, is that maybe you today, at some point in your life, you've had a moment that you wanted to restart. I mean, it could have been in morning routine when your smoothie blows up in your face, or it could have been when you were humiliated in front of thousands of people and you just wanted to get away, or some other comical event. But my guess is you've had a moment like that. And some of them were funny, and some of them were moments that maybe weren't so funny. In fact, maybe these were moments that maybe you did something that you weren't proud of and you just wish that you could go back and restart and take that back. Or, or maybe you, you found yourself jumping back into an addiction and back into a habit and you're saying, man, if I could just restart, I want to do that differently. I want to live differently. 
For some of it, it was somebody that wounded us, somebody that hurt us, and we were like, man, if I could just go back and restart, maybe, maybe I'd go about this differently so that that event didn't happen. Or, or maybe some of us, we had a loved one that we cared about and loved deeply, and they were sick, and then the time came along where, you know, we prayed and we asked God, heal them, heal them, and, 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 they, and he didn't, and they passed away, and maybe you go, if I could just go back and make that one more phone call, if I could just have that restart. You see, the good news is, is that because of Jesus, we have the opportunity for a restart. We have the opportunity to start over, to do things differently, to live differently. It doesn't necessarily mean it changes our past, but man, it can definitely change the trajectory of our life. And if you've been here, you know that last week we began a series called Restart with this, this idea at the forefront that we, through Christ, have the opportunity to restart. If you were here last week, Pastor Sean kind of unpacked a, a reality that you and I, as we live, we have a physical existence. All right? There are parts of our life that we can see and smell and taste and touch and feel and hear. Right? These are the relationships with people that we interact and we have jobs and we can quantify things. There, there's part of our life that we can see. But there's also a part of our life that we can't see. And this is kind of the spiritual part of our existence. All right? So it's kind of like the physical or the spiritual or the natural and the supernatural. And Pastor Sean alluded to the reality that God has created us and given us minds that in some way, shape, or form are able to extend and touch the physical aspects of our existence, but also extend and engage with the spiritual realities, the things that we can't see. And if you were here, you remember that Sean said, listen, to restart, to, to walk in and to live differently, as Romans 8, 6 says, that if we set our minds on the things of the physical or things of the flesh, it ultimately leads to death. So if we want to restart... We have to rethink and set our minds on the Spirit because when we set our minds on the Spirit, there is life and there is peace. We also talked about the reality that in our world, our world tells us in our culture that if you do the right things and you do them in the right order, ultimately that you'll have value. In other words, your being leads to your doing. And, and therefore, if you want to restart and you want to live differently, well, then it's easy. You just have to do the right things. If you, you do different things, you'll get different results. And as a result, you'll be a different person. You'll have value. But as we looked at the reality that when Jesus comes onto the scene, Jesus sets a whole different trajectory. He tells us a whole different thing. In fact, what he says is that it is your being, your dwelling, your abiding with him. It's your walking with him, pursuing him on a daily basis, surrounding yourself in community that ultimately allows you to be. You find your identity in Christ. You find your identity in pursuing him. And out of that identity and out of that love for him, you can do things differently. You can have a new start. You can live in a different way. You see, to restart requires you to rethink but what I want to talk about today is the reality that as we engage Scripture is that our physical and our spiritual parts, they're not these two separate entities unto themselves. There's no clear borders and one you cross from one over into the other. The reality is that the physical part of our existence and the spiritual part of our existence are interlocked. In other words, that what some of the things that we encounter in our physical lives impact our ability to be, or impact our ability to experience and, and thrive in our spiritual reality. Let me explain. There may be something in your life on the physical side that you are trying to break free from, and you continue to fall short, you continue to mess up, and you start to carry things like shame and self-condemnation, and you can't, I can't do it, I continue to mess up, I continue to screw up, and we begin to carry these things that prevent us from being and experiencing God's love in a way that he desires for us. 
Or maybe there's somebody close to you that has wounded you, who has lied to you, that has hurt you, and you come from a background where people have hurt you, and maybe violence or abuse, and, and you come to a place where there's this hatred, there's this unwillingness to forgive, there's, there's just this weight that you're carrying that's not only separating you from the relationship with them, but in some regards is separating you from relationships with other people. And ultimately, you're not able to walk into the life that God desires for you, to have the restart that he desires for you, because you're carrying this stuff. You see, our, what happens in our physical world ultimately can impact our ability to be. And so today, we're going to explore one concept. And I just want you to grasp this. If you don't get anything else, it's simply this, that to restart... Restarting requires releasing what contributes to repeating, all right? Restarting requires releasing what contributes to repeating. In other words, we can begin to carry some of these things. And if we don't release those things and we don't let them go, those very things are what cause us to continue to fall back into the patterns that we've been falling into. And what our God is saying is, listen, I long for you to restart. I long for you to, have a, to begin a new journey. I long for you to be able to live differently, but you have to set your mind on the spirit. But then you've got to release those things. You have to let them go. And we're going to talk about a few of them today. And what does that look like to release them? But before we can even engage what it means to release, there's something that we have to talk about first. And it's this. It's before we can release, we must receive God's forgiveness. Before we release, we must receive God's forgiveness. You see, we make mistakes, and sometimes even in environments where maybe an interaction with another wounds us, there are many times there are places and things that we have owned in that. There's moments that we have tripped up, we've fallen short, we've hurt people, we've broken the heart of God, and we're in a position, we have, we have separated ourselves from God. And before we can talk about releasing some of those things that we may need to release today to restart, we first have to receive his forgiveness. One of the most powerful promises in Scripture, in my opinion, is found in 1 John 1.9. Check this out. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. Say forgive. Forgive, very good. Us our sins and purify. Say purify. Us from all unrighteousness. You see, the reality is, is we're going to mess up. We're going to fall short. We're going to hurt people. We're going to break the heart of God. But we have a promise like this, a powerful promise that says, if we confess our sins to him, that he'll forgive us. And not only will he forgive us, he'll wipe the slate clean as if it never existed. And listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter. The reality is, is that we have a God that desires a relationship with you. We have a God that desires to forgive you, a God that desires not only to forgive you, but to wipe the slate clean. But you see, we've got to receive that forgiveness. Another way might be able to, you might say it this way, that you need to release your sin and give it to Jesus. Because then, once we receive his forgiveness or we release that sin, now we're positioned to release. Now we're positioned to release the things that are getting in the way of us restarting. And you may go, well, what is that? What do I need to release? Well, let's tackle the first one. Take a look at this. Release yourself from the prison of shame. Release yourself from the prison of shame. Now, this week I had a chance to hear three different people share their stories with me. One was kind of in the context of a group of people, and they shared, and a couple of the others were one-on-one. -on -one, and one, it was a, a young guy that I met. We sat out in kind of one of the fake leather chairs in the Rock Island lobby here, and he, he told me his journey, that as a young teenager, that he joined a gang, 
right? Joined a gang, and he did everything that those gang members do, whether it's violence, whether it's drugs, whether it's women. I mean, all kinds of stuff. He, he had been engrossed in those things. And at some point in his life, he went to a Young Life thing, encountered this relationship with Jesus. Life was radically transformed. But he still carried the shame from the things he had done. And another one had grown up in kind of a, a broken home, a, a situation where parents engaged with drugs, and, and they began on that same trajectory of, of drugs and alcohol and promiscuity and sex and, and just over and over and over and over, and at some point surrendered their life to Christ. But even in the way that they were, they were talking, said the, worm, said the word shame. But yet I, I still kind of carried that shame. Another one had surrendered their life to Christ but still wrestled with an addiction. And as I'm talking with them, the word shame and condemnation and why can't I break free? And some of us in this room understand what that's like. Where we've, we can nod our head and say, yes, I believe God can forgive me. Yes, I believe that a holy God has paid the price for my sins. But yet when it comes to ourselves, we lock ourselves up and we enslave ourselves in this prison of shame. Let me take a break from that for a moment. Let me, let me take a real quick survey, all right? Everyone participate here at Rock Island, all of our campuses. If you have a mortgage of any type, I want you to raise your hand. Mortgage of any type. Okay, I got my hand up. I got one of those too. Don't take your hand down. And if you have a car loan, I want you to raise your hand as well. See how many people we can capture. So a whole lot of us, right? All right, go ahead and put your, your hands down. Now let me tell you today that your best friend came to you and said, listen, I've come into some money, a whole lot of money, in fact. And because you're my BFF, right? You're my best friend forever, all right? And you have journeyed with me through good times and bad. You've been there on the mountaintops, and when things got ugly and everyone turned their back from me, you never left my side. And because of that, I want to pay off your mortgage. I want to pay off your car loan. And after you picked yourself up off the floor and you said, well, you don't have to do that. No, really, I insist. And finally, okay, you go to the bank, right? And your friend writes the check for your mortgage, slides it across the desk to the teller, writes the check for your car loan, slides it across, and the lady at the bank prepares all the papers and, and hands them over to you, and you look at the top, and there's your name, the amount of your loan, your loan summary, and at the very bottom shows that the account has been paid in full and is closed as of April 14th, 2015. You're, you're celebrating this, right? Let me ask you something. The next month when it comes time to pay the bill for that, that loan, how many of you would still write a check to the bank? Nobody, <laughs> right? So we get this with money. We understand with our money that if there's a loan that has been taken out and it's paid back, then I'm not going to continue to write checks. But let me tell you something. When it comes to our life and our sin, Jesus has paid the bill. When it comes to our life and our sin, we have to recognize that Jesus, the very Son of God, stepped out of heaven, came to earth, fully God, fully man, lived a life that we couldn't live, to die for the price of our sins, dying the death that we deserved, ultimately to give us life, to pay the price that we should have paid. And when we look at the summary of our life, and God looks at our account summary, our names at the top, and on the bottom it says, uh, account paid in full, closed as of whatever day you made a decision to place your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ. But listen, when we load on the shame, and we load on the self-condemnation, and we won't let us free, we're writing a check for a bill that's already been paid. We're writing a check 
for a bill that's already been paid. You see, Paul understood this. Paul was one that, that had made all kinds of mistakes. He had sought out Christians and sought out to kill them. And Paul had obviously had a life transformational experience with Christ. But this is what he writes in Philippians 3. Check this out. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, why? Because the price has been paid, because Jesus has paid the price. There's no longer a need for me to enslave myself in this prison of shame. He says, I'm going to forget what's behind, and I'm going to strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize of which Christ, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, if we want to restart, we have to release those things that cause us to repeat. And one of those primary ones for each one of us is this element of shame. Because we hear, well, you can restart and you can have a restart through Christ. But part of us says, well, yeah, but I'll get a restart and then I'll just mess up again. But here's the deal. The price has been paid. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them, to pay the bill, and then we can move on. We've got to release ourselves from the prison of shame. We also have to do something else, and it's this, to release others who have hurt you. To release others who have hurt you. You see, we can acknowledge that we make mistakes. We fall short. We hurt other people, but in the same token... Others make mistakes, and others hurt us. And most of us can acknowledge that many times it's the people that we love the most and that love us the most, those that we're closest to, that ultimately can hurt us the most, can't they? And it can be really easy to take up and, and, and pick up these bags of, of, of hatred or these bags of, you know, just divisiveness or these bags of wanting to get back at or vengeance. And, and we can carry them around and we might not necessarily act them out, but there's part of us that at any given moment, if that person touches the right buttons, I'm out. You know? But see, those are the very things that are holding us back because scripture is so clear that we need to forgive those just as Christ forgave us. In fact, check out what Paul says in Ephesians 4. He says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You see, we live in a culture that tells us if you forgive, you're weak. To forgive somebody means that you're releasing power. You're releasing what you have over them. And, and if you release that, then you're positioning yourself to be hurt again. We live in a culture that tells us if you forgive somebody, then you have to forget that. And by forgetting that, you might put yourself in a position where you're going to be wounded again. And, and why would you do that? But here's the deal. We forgive if you're a follower of Christ today simply because God has forgiven us. And we forgive out of obedience to what Jesus said. In fact, check out Mar uh, Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus says this. If you have a red letter Bible, these are in red letters, which means they came right from the mouth of Jesus. Check this out. Forgive if you, or for, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, if you do not re release those who have hurt you of their sins or the ways that they've hurt you, your Father will not forgive your sins. You see, we forgive. We, we release those who have hurt us. We, we say, listen, Jesus, I no longer want this hate. I no longer want this bitterness. I no longer want this resentment. I no longer want this stuff to carry around because I want to restart. I want to restart. You see, restarting requires releasing the things that cause us to repeat. And sometimes it's the woundedness that others have caused us that causes us to repeat some of the cycles that we fall into. And so we need to release ourselves from the prison of shame and we need to release others who have hurt us 
But there's one more thing I want to talk about today that we need to release, and it's this. Release your anger and your resentment towards God. Release your anger and your resentment towards God. You see, sometimes some of the things that happen in this physical realm, this physical aspect of our lives, are hideous things. And they cause great harm, and they cause just amazing hurt. And we we can find this tendency to, to look to heaven and begin to shake our fist at God and say, God, why did you let this happen? Why did you make this happen? Why weren't you there for me? And this anger and this resentment can begin to build. This is especially true when somebody that we deeply love and care for passes away. The person that has been sick and that you have prayed for and you have called the church and you've written the prayer request and you've said, God, please, please bring healing. Please restore their life. I love them. I can't imagine life without them. And then when God doesn't answer that prayer in the way that you had hoped, we can come to a place and say, God, how could you allow death into this world? How could you allow sickness into this world? How could you allow this pain into this world? And then this anger and this resentment towards God can begin to dwell up in us. Now listen, I get that. I get it. I remember kneeling in a room in a hospital when my mother had had a heart attack and just crying out. And I was praying and I was fasting and and saying, God, would you heal my mom? And, And you know what? My mom didn't make it that day. And in fact, within four months, my grandfather and my grandma and my dad all died tragically. And I remember sitting there and saying, God, where are you at don't you know that I'm serving you? Don't you know that I'm, I'm, I've left a place that I love to be obedient, to go where you've called me to be? And, and I just remember this time in which this anger and this resentment within me kind of bubbled up. And I would dare say I'm not the only one. You see, if we want to restart, we have to release those things. Let me step out of that conversation for a second. Let me talk to you about something called free will. Okay, because this will help us understand maybe some of the ways that we are being deceived and and the reason why maybe we need to let that stuff go. There's something called free will, all right? And free will is basically that the creator of the ends of the earth, our God, created us, and he has given us the ability to either choose to love him and choose to follow him or to walk away and say thanks but no thanks, right? And so in that, we, you know... we might say, well, if, if we were hardwired to love God and to serve him regardless, we had no choice. Most of us would say, I don't really think that that's really love. Or at least it's an empty love, right? I mean, think about it. My wife and I have been married for seven years. We're expecting our second child next month, right? And so let's say that my wife was born and she had no choice. doesn't matter how many men are out there. She had no choice. She had to marry me. She had to love me. She had to serve me. She had to deal with me. She had to put up with me, do whatever I asked her to do. How many of you would say, listen, I don't really think that that's love. That's not love at all. And if it is love, then it's a pretty empty love. You see, the same thing is true of free will. Free will, there's this point in which God has said, listen, I want my people to choose me. Right? It's kind of like, but free will has the good sides, but it also has the downsides. It's kind of like gravity. Right? Anybody know what gravity is? Most of us would say, hey, gravity is a good thing. It's what keeps our bottoms in the seat, my feet on the ground, right? And if it wasn't for gravity, then we might be floating somewhere up in the middle of the worship center and maybe up on the top of the, you know, the, you know, the the ceiling. And some of us think that'd be really cool. This would be awesome. Church like never before, right? (laughs) But if we made our way out into the atmosphere and continued to go up, we might have a problem, Right? Because we'd run out of oxygen and then we're, we're in a different situation, right? But then, let's say, so there's a good side to gravity. It keeps us grounded. It keeps us here. But there's also a downside to gravity. Let me prove it to you. 
If you go and climb a tree outside in your house and you step on a branch that maybe can't support your LBs, your weight, and that branch goes out from under you, gravity will also usher you down to the ground and may even punch your ticket to an ER room, right? So there's a downside to gravity. But just like there's a good side to free will and and we can choose to love God and it's true love, there's a downside to free will. And we see that in Genesis chapter 3. Listen, Genesis 1 and 2, we see that God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates everything in existence. He says it's good. Then he creates man and woman in his image. He places them in the garden, in his creation, and he says it's very good. But in that moment, God's intent was that man and woman would live forever, that there'd be no pain, that there'd be no sickness, that there'd be no death, there'd be no tears, there'd be no crying. But something happens in Genesis chapter 3. Somebody enters the scene and this person deceives Adam and Eve. Let me ask you, who was that? It was the serpent, right? It was Satan. Why do we know that? Well, check out verse 13 of chapter 3. It says, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. The serpent deceived me and I ate. But listen. The same serpent that deceived them that day, the same serpent that's responsible for sin entering the world, the same serpent that's responsible for death entering the world and sickness entering the world, the same serpent that deceived them that day deceives you and I today. And he does it in two ways. The first way is he tries to block the reality that he was the one responsible for all of this. He's the one that's responsible for the chaos and the violence. He's the one that's responsible for things like Christians being pushed into to bodies of water and dying. He's the one that's responsible for our loved ones who get sick and our loved ones who die. He's the one that's responsible for those people who have hurt us. So he, he blocks us to that reality and then at the same time twists that and when something tragic happens to us, he's the first one that likes to twist that and say, listen, if your God was real, why didn't he come through? If your God is real, why would he let this happen? If your God is real and he's really good and he loves you, why would he allow something like this to happen? But you see, when we can step back and realize that God's desire for us for day one has been to live forever. His desire for us is to then have lives that are filled with joy and peace. His desire is that we would live forever in his presence. His desire is that he would be with us and love us. In fact, we see that in God. Even after man and woman had fallen, after they had been deceived and sickness and brokenness and sin and death entered the world, he did whatever it took to provide a way for us to have a relationship with him so we could have that restored a.k.a. Jesus enters the world, pays the price for our sin, and if we place our trust and our faith in him, we have eternal life, everlasting life, right? And so today, when we talk about we want to restart, for some of us today, we need to release the anger and the resentment that we've held towards our God. We need to recognize that I've been deceived. It's not God that caused this. It's the serpent. It's Satan. It's the enemy. And today's the day that I need to let go of the anger and the resentment towards God. You see, if we want to restart, we have to release the things that cause us to repeat. And when we put ourselves in prisons of shame, we, we won't release those who have hurt us, and, and we won't release this anger and this resentment that we've held toward God. We're ultimately preventing ourselves from walking in and having the restart that God desires for us. Deep stuff, isn't it? <laughs> and so, so what? What does this mean for me today? So what? What does this mean, Justin? I hear you, and last week we talked about that in order to restart, we have to rethink, and, and I get that. I want to place my mind on the Spirit, and, and I hear you today telling me I need to let these things go. Why? Here's why. Releasing positions us to live loved 
fully. Releasing positions us to live loved fully. Because we do live in a physical world. We live in a world here in which we are hurt, in which we make mistakes. We do things that we're not proud of. We, even after we've made decisions to follow Christ, we can continue in these, these sinful habits and, and fall into things that we don't want to do. And we can hold on to this shame and we can hold on to this self-condemnation. And then others come into the picture and they hurt us and they wound us. And, you know, the people that we love, how could they turn on them? And we pick up these, this luggage of hatred and, and wanting to get back and vengeance. And, and then these things happen to us and it becomes easy for us to say, God, how could you do this? God, how could you do this? But when we release those things, listen, we let those things go. Now we're in a position where we can experience God's love fully. Now we're in a, in a place where we can experience being fully. Now we're in a place that we can experience what it means to live loved fully. And then, after we've released those things, after we've set our mind on the Spirit, and now we're positioned to live love fully and to truly be, now we're in a position to have a restart. To have a restart. But let me be clear real quick that God's love for us has never changed. His love for us has never changed. God loves you the same today as much as he will tomorrow, and he will forever. But when we carry things, our ability to experience his love can become diminished. It can become diminished. Now, Paul got this once again. Paul seemed to get this stuff, right? This is a guy that sought out to kill Christians. He was successful in that, and he was pursuing Christians in the moment that Jesus appeared to him, and his life was radically transformed, and, and he surrendered his life to Christ and went on to write nearly half of the New Testament. And while he was following Jesus, you would have thought that his life would have been all good and dandy, not so much, right? People hurt him. They beat him. They, they, they stoned him. They imprisoned him. He was shipwrecked and ultimately would go on to die for his faith. But Paul says, listen, if you release those things, you're positioned to live love. Check out Romans chapter 8, verse 35. It says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. Everyone say no. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He continues on to say, for I am convinced. Why was he convinced? Because he had made mistakes. He had sinned against God. He had broken God's heart. He had experienced God's forgiveness. He had experienced others hurting him. He had experienced turning his back on God. And he had experienced what it means to release those things. So he goes on and says, I have been convinced. I've been persuaded that neither death nor life. Life's an interesting word. These are all the challenges that we face. These are relationships with other people. These are the mistakes that we make. He says, neither death nor life Angels nor demons, neither the present, not anything that's going to happen today or anything that's ever going to happen or the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth. And just in case I missed anything else, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, that's a great promise, isn't it? But listen, in order to restart, we have to release we have to release these things that we've been holding on to. Paul was able to restart and to walk into the abundance and what it means to follow Jesus because he was able to release himself from a prison of shame. He was able to release those who had hurt him and he was able to release all maybe the bitterness and resentment that he had sitting in a dark prison cell for serving Jesus. He was able to let go of those things and it positioned him to live loved fully. And so today as we close, I want to ask you this question. What do you need to release today in order to restart? What do you need to release 
today in order to restart. You see, next weekend at 3 o'clock at the iWireless Center, we're going to gather as one church in one location at one time to celebrate one Lord, one baptism, one faith. And we're going to come together and we're going to celebrate God's faithfulness over the last 50 years of what he's done. The people that have found life, the marriages that have been restored, the, the lives that have been transformed. And we're going to look ahead to what God has for us for the next 50 years. But remember this, that the church isn't a place that we go. It's who we are. The church isn't a monument. It's a people. It's a movement. And so you and I today, as we make them, we ask this question, what is it that I would need to release to restart? What is it that I need to release today so that I can walk into the life that God desires for me? It's also, we're also asking the question, what do we as a church need to release today so that we can become the church of God that can reach the 200,000 people that don't know Jesus? And so as I ask you today, what is it that you need to release so that you can restart I'm asking it as us as a church as well, because we are Heritage Church. At each one of our locations, we are Heritage Church. And so today as I close, I'm going to ask you to do something that we don't do a lot here. I understand that. But today as I've talked, my guess is that some of us in the room have saying, I want to release those things. I want to let go. And today is the day that I want to do that. Because I no longer want to continue to fall into these sins. I no longer want to repeat and I want to receive God's forgiveness. And man, do I want to let go of this shame and this self-condemnation and this self-hatred. And I'm tired of carrying the weight of, of not letting go of those people that have hurt me. And I'm letting go of that hate and I want to let go of that vengeance. And, and God, you know what? I realize that I've been deceived. And today's the day that I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to own that. And I'm going to let go of that. And what I'm going to ask you to do at each one of our locations, will you just stand with me? Right where you're at, stand with me. If that's you saying, hey, this is me. I'm letting go of those things today. Because I want to restart. Individually, I want to walk into what God has for me. And as a church, we want to reach the 200,000 people that don't know Jesus so that they can cross over from death to life. Today's the day I'm letting go. Praise God. Praise God. And so as I pray today, I want to pray for you who are standing. And I want to pray for our community. Because listen, Heritage, our best is yet to come. Our best is yet to come. And we know this, but there are people, 200,000 people that need to know today that in order to restart, we have to rethink. We have to set our mind on things of the Spirit and we have to release the things that are holding us back. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, I celebrate your work in this room at all of our campuses, even those online that are watching. And God, for those that are standing, I celebrate today that today is a day of releasing, God. God, you know what it is. You know their names. You know the number of hairs on their head. You know their experiences. You know those, the people that have hurt them, the weights they've carried. You know the moments that they've made mistakes, God, and, and where they are longing to be set free. And God, I pray right now that all of those things, that they would give them to Jesus now, the self-condemnation, the self-hatred, the shame, the guilt, God, the hatred toward others, the division, the, the desire to get back at or to get vengeance. God, the anger and the resentment they've held towards you. God, today, may they let go. May they give those things to Jesus. And God, just like as you were saying in the room when Isaiah saw you and you said, who will I send? Lord, those who are standing today, send us. Send us, God. We believe the greater days are ahead and now we are free because we've released. God, give us the restarts so that we can be the people, the sent people that you desire us to be. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless.